Each episode of Education with an Edge is meant to create, cultivate, and inspire honest discussion about issues affecting youth. Hosted by author, artist, educator, advocate, and speaker, Jaquel Lane. Hello and welcome. My name is Jaquel Lane, your hostess of Education with an Edge, and I am so excited because I have Michael Young as my guest today. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me, Jackie. This is awesome. You're so very welcome. Um, Our podcast is dedicated to anti-suicide and anti-bullying, and so I think it's so very important to have you here today to talk about issues affecting youth, but also to talk about your own story. So we'll just go ahead and get into it, Michael. Um, I think it's so essential to start from the beginning and just understand your remarkable story. So can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing in your childhood? Oh man, right to uh, ripping the bandaid off into the microscope. Well, thanks for having me. I think it's wonderful that you're such an advocate for this. Uh, So many people don't talk about it and it's really imperative, especially in a dad and a youth who went through a few things. Um, I commend you for doing this. Um, You know, so my upbringing, uh, it wasn't great. And I don't have a really fun story. I mean, it's literally other than being gang violence death, Mm -hmm. about every statistic, you know, biracial family, father missing, not because he left, but because he he died, you know, mother had to depend on the system, Um, evicting. I still, as a grown man, don't know how to pack normally. I just put things in a box and shove in a blanket and say, we'll just take it out. And, you know, a product of public schools. I went to some of the oldest buildings here, you know, Walnut Hill, Howard Kennedy, um, you know, these are obviously Omaha public schools here in Nebraska, but in the Norris Middle and Field Club. And then education was really just my way to level up from how I grew up. And um, outside of that, I really love technology. It's uh, for me, it's a way to provide answers and solutions uh, but at the time, when I was so young, I wanted to become a cardiologist. And so this here I was doing IT work so young. And then, um, and I mean, like the age of 15, yeah. I honestly then kind of moved around and said, I want to still try to be this doctor. It didn't work out. And here I am today, 27 years later in technology management consulting. So uh, it's it's been challenging, but I definitely know that that adversity has brought me here. Absolutely. And I think that's so important for young people to recognize and realize because they can look at you and think that everything was just really simple and simplistic and that there were no obstacles or hurdles along the way. Um, Mm -hmm. And so thank you for for sharing that. Yeah, for sure. It's a tough story. And for a long time, I definitely, I tried to hide it, Mm -hmm. thinking that I was the only person who'd ever experienced it. And it was something I needed to be ashamed of. And the reality is the more that I talk about it, the more relative it is. And that I wasn't alone and nor are these people in our community. So Anyway, I digress. I'll um, talk about no, that forever. Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned um, you are an entrepreneur and a business owner. And so we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, but before we do, who was a mentor in your life growing up and how did they inspire you? Mm, uh, that's a really good question. It's kind of a threefold front. There was probably one in the streets. Uh, yeah. His name was, we call him Big Nick, but his real name was Dominic. And he kind of took me under his wing. Um, he had a little son too. We called him little Nick. Imagine that. Yeah. And you know, he kind of taught me how to be smart, not to be a knucklehead in the neighborhood. He was kind of like, you know, I want you to teach you some street smarts. Um, I have a lot of, I still call kind of pops, um, from an education perspective, I think of my third grade teacher, uh, her name was Mrs. Creighton and she was actually the first teacher of color I had at field club. And 
boy, she would not put up with anything. And I was kind of an unchecked man. I wasn't a bad kid, but I just kind of knew how to flex a little bit and get away with things. Right. Um, so I would say those two would probably be the biggest. And then, um, you know, honestly, growing up in an, an urban environment, you know, almost downtown, there was a, a youth pastor at First Baptist Church on Park Avenue and Harney, and his name was Paul Thompson. And it honestly was like, hey, kids, idle hands, idle problems, come play pool, come eat food. And then, you know, really started you know, getting into the church. And that's why I, I ultimately got baptized. So Paul Thompson, Mrs. Creighton, and then uh, Big Nick. Those, uh, those are the three. Oh, my goodness. Well, shout out to all of, of those individuals. And mentorship is so important. And I think that that's something that we really need to encourage individuals in our community to do. Um, because there are so many children that um, are, are in need of, of great role models. And Absolutely. so that's awesome. Um, so you are highly motivated to support others in terms of business technology. Can you tell us where your passion began and a little bit about your business? Yeah, I'm going to date myself here. Most people are listening uh, because it's a podcast. Don't even know what a VCR is, but uh, <laughs> I, do. I, right? I think that it really started because I was inquisitive. Why was everyone's VCR blinking? Because no one knew how to set the time. Right. So it was my funny little flex as a child. I was just like, I'll read the manual and I'll figure it out. Um, and everything in between. I, I really like technology because it's kind of like working on cars. There's a problem, you fix it, and then there's a way to maintain it so there isn't a problem, and that's when you're being proactive. For me, it was just kind of, it makes sense. It's like breathing. I can look in a room and know if they are running a podcast, what type of technology and security and systems and software that they're going to need to a hospital and what does compliance look like so your records are safe, um, and then how to not make that hacked. I, there literally isn't an industry I haven't touched, uh, getting a little bored, so that's probably why I got into a different venture that I'm sure you'll talk about. Yes. But, um, you know, really from a business and technology management perspective, I like to connect the, the dots of business with technology solutions. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, security, payroll, working from home as we need with COVID to honestly just teaching people. Sometimes people just hate technology because they weren't trained. And now they're like, oh, let me throw this thing down the stairs. But um, that's that's why I like tech. Awesome. Um, no, I, I love technology. I raised my hand when you said somebody that gets fed up and throws it down the stairs. But um, no, being a teacher, you you have to you have to ad adapt and adjust and especially what we went through with online learning. So um, I've, I've learned to love it. So <laughs> love, love, hate relationship. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your experience as a minority business owner? Uh, do you want me to tell you the truth? Do you want me to tell you something? On the We're all, hey, this is education with an edge. We want nothing but uh, the truth. Uh, well, let, let's just be honest. It's Omaha, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. uh, thank goodness it's 2022. Uh, I don't know if that makes it easier or worse. But, you know, there are definitely some additional hoops. You know, if you didn't have generational wealth or uh, a network um, to help build you up and support you, give you seed funding, or even to know what you should go do. I mean, my first time I went to start a business, it was in 2003. It was in downtown Benson called Omaha PC Help. And it was kind of like the pre-geek squad. You know, bring me your desktop, your laptop, I'll fix it, whatever it needed to be. And I didn't pull any capital. I had a business account. It was really just a sole proprietorship. And I was just earning while I was learning. And, you know, there were some definitely bumps and bruises and lessons learned there. Um, but eventually, you know, we... Uh, my ex-wife, now ex-wife, but at the time we lost our first kid, so I had to go back in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I was like, all right, there's some things I'll do better. When I, but I, you, they say once you are self-employed, you're like unemployable. And I always had that edge of just being efficient. And, and so I think, you know, going back to your question, um, as I'm in campaign mode over here being too verbose, um, as minority, I think it's definitely reach out to your village. Um, there's someone who's tried it, who's done it. Maybe they know banking, maybe they know uh, legal, maybe they know how to form the LLC, things of that nature. Build up a, a network of folks that can help you and ask those questions. Um, George Frazier says something really powerful. He says, if you can accomplish your goal by yourself, you don't have a big enough dream. Wow. Um, and so I, I believe that definitely today that there's nothing I've accomplished on my own by myself. Absolutely. And what a testament to your success and, and the fact that we all need people to help us and to build us up. And um, you make some excellent, excellent points. Um, so, you know, what would what advice would you give to a young entrepreneur um, in your community that was looking to to be successful as you have and 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 serve their community? So it might be because I'm bald and slightly <laughs> tall and have a whole bunch of tribal tattoos. Uh, my son still thinks I'm the rock sometimes. I said, I'm a little more rounded. You can call me the pebble. Um, but honestly, be the hardest working person in the room. Yeah. And that's a, a quote he has. I believe it uh, through and through. If you're not willing to put in the work, don't ask for someone to believe in you. Um, to find value in what you do. A lot of times we get so caught up in society that we have no problem buying the Nike, the Gucci, the, the nice cars. Mm -hmm. uh, that when it comes to us, we want to undercut our value and our prices just to get the deal. Now, obviously, you want to be smart to get a deal, but don't get a bad deal. Um, and then number three, and probably the most important, um, try to find a, a, a solution. You know, there's a problem in your community. Is there maybe buses aren't moving fast enough? Do we need better lights? Uh, do we need better crosswalks. So can you get paintwork on the streets faster? Try to find a solution to a current problem because that's a really easy way to make money. I love that. I always used to tell my kids, see a need, fill a need. So oh, much better said. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yours was great. But it's just, yeah, looking for, looking for um, issues that need to be addressed and then solution oriented approaches. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, See, that's why you're a teacher and I'm in politics. My answer kit has asked to be gray and you're no, right on it. With, it. with little kids, you have to be, you know? Yeah. Um, so yes. And we, that is brings us to our next question. So you are running for legislative district 18. Yes. Um, you are a father, a business owner and a taxpayer who has extensive experience in public for-profit and nonprofit sectors. How do you plan to work to ensure that Nebraska is welcoming for all while continuing to create a stronger, more vibrant community where people feel that their voice is heard? Mm. All that. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, a big, it's a big, big question. You know, I think honestly, just uh, probably doing three things. One, uh, turning around. Yeah. Where did I come from? How did I get here? Who helped me? Who hindered me? What hindered me? Um, I think those are really honest things that we need to look at as a community and society and state, let alone a country. Um, that, that's really important to me. Why I'm running, I, I have a five-pillar platform. And the reason I want to say it's not cheesy, most politicians are cheesy. This is really what I have worked on my entire adult life and probably went through my youth. 
Um, you know, one is economic development. We've, you know, as a business owner, we've got to find a way to make money. It's how the taxes and our system works. But we need to be smarter about that. And, you know, working on the transit authority for so long, one of the problems we have here in Omaha is moving around. Yes. From, you know, construction season to if you live out in Bennington in my district and you want to go downtown and watch a Creighton game, what does that look like? Or you just want to go out to Flanagan Lake and walk around and have a good day with the family. Um, we don't do a good job of transit-oriented design, and that hinders economic development. And we see what's going on with the proposed growth around Blackstone, the proposed growth around downtown and Mutual of Omaha and the streetcar. What happens when you have those things? It's a lot of growth and revenue, uh, as well as amenities, things to do. And I like to go out and do things. Um, so that's really one. Um, number two is technology investments. I mean, obviously that's kind of given, but not just from the perspective of you know, what we saw with teaching and the teaching tools and the platforms and, and broadband from here all the way to Colorado, but the state itself internally using technology, less paper, less archaic things, um, and departments working more efficient. It, it's just time. I mean, if we can, if our kids can download an app and be trending in five minutes, a state department should be able to pivot no different at a billion dollar type of budget. Number three um, out of that plan is equity. I think there needs to be representation that looks like us. There needs to be representation that has learned experiences like us. And there needs to be representation that will, will be honest and roll their sleeves up to folks who don't understand that and know that there needs to be a compromise. But when you talk about how you identify, how you look, where you live, um, you should be able to have the same access to education, job, and hopes, you know, kind of that American dream. Absolutely. And if you live in Northeast Omaha or you live in Ogallala, you should be able to accomplish what that dream is for you. Um, number four is transparency. I think, you know, the use that I use of town halls, using technology and social media of here's what this bill means. Here's the taxes. Here's how it's going to impact the public school system, uh, potentially your property taxes. A lot of people don't want to rip the Band-Aid off and be honest. And that one is... Uh, a lot of people think that one's smoke and mirrors, but it's pretty easy, pretty good track record. And number five uh, is justice reform. And justice reform, not from the perspective of talking about the prison pipeline that we already know is out there and we know the data, talking about let's flip the focus from being symptom-based of, all right, we have reentry or we have uh, violent offenders, you know, teaching nonviolent offenders when we're putting someone in prison. What if we turn around and say, let's start focusing on the cause, the poverty, the access to a living wage, the fact of mental and physical health, and what does that look like? And then really, in addition, working with folks who are maybe in diversion programs or maybe in reentry and saying, all right, employers, you funded that nonprofit, you, you funded this initiative, we're going to hold your feet to the fire and say, now you need to hire these people because if they don't have a living wage, they're going to do what they have to do for survival again. That's right. So, and then combining all that, those two big layers, number three, most importantly, listen, let me just ask questions from smart people who are living through it, uh, from subject matter experts, and then really work on those and other initiatives. Cause there's a lot of folks who are running who are really amazing that uh, don't get enough done because they're not being heard or respected. So big, long wind there. No. Uh, can I exhale now? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know that was a lot. Well, that was, you know, a, a, it was a very big ask. Um, and I think the thing that I'm most impressed with you um, about Michael is just your fact that you're so community oriented and obviously from an educational standpoint. And one of the things that I'm personally very passionate about 
is um, juvenile justice reform. And so giving those individuals a second chance that have unfortunately made poor decisions when they were younger is is something that we need to come together and really take a hard look at as a community because sending them to prison isn't doing us any good. Um, and we know that. And so education is where it starts. Um, and it's literally a hand up um, for so many of our kids that um, deserve deserve a second chance, just like all of us do. So. No, I completely agree with that. You know, I was just meeting with um, University of Nebraska at Lincoln, just really the university system. And they've had some great stats of just in the last few years of every dollar they invest comes back eightfold into the community from just an education perspective. So you think about if we could, at a scale of economy, move that into justice reform to be preventative instead of reactionary, what would that look like? Because I would rather spend $100,000 on a youth today, right now, instead of $200,000 of them sitting in a prison learning to become a better, uh, you know, felon or even worse. Um, They need to be, there are our brothers and sisters and they need to come back in our community and, you know, even with the work I've done with RISE, you know, it's entrepreneurship, it's reentry, it's such a great program. I love what Jeremy and, and Jasmine are doing over there. But, you know, I remember the first time I went there, I got like goosebumps. I said, this is like Shark Tank in prison. This was kind of fun. But they really came out and made amazing businesses. And, uh, well, if you don't know anything about that, I tell you, you go please look that up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So um, since this data... This podcast is dedicated to youth and mental health awareness. What would you say to encourage a young person in today's society? We know that um, mental mental health issues are at an all time high. Um, unfortunately, suicide is the second leading cause of death in the state of Nebraska, um, and so these issues are are really affecting our young people. Um, so, what would you say to to a young person that's struggling right now? You know, one of the things I would say most importantly would be no matter what you're going through from bullying to body image issues to poverty and, and maybe even issues with your siblings and, and maybe mom and dad on uncle is that you're not the first one to go through it. And there's probably someone in your family. There's probably someone in your school, at your lunch table on your Snapchat, um, who you could easily directly talk to and just say, Hey, has you ever had this happen? And you know, I remember the first time that I really wanted to address my mental stress was going through my divorce. I didn't think I wanted to talk about it. And, you know, I, I was a man, there's machismo. I didn't need to be fragile and vulnerable. Um, and a, a gentleman gave me that advice when I was just unbelievably burdened down. And he said, you know, you're not the first person to go through it. You're not going to be the last. So take some advice and, and try to find some healing tools and resources for you. But then turn back around when you see that also in someone else. And it was ironically a client um, who I was working for at the time and just made a ridiculous amount of money. But uh, he did, not I. And so we had different stressors. But, you know, that was it was almost freeing that, oh, this isn't just me. I'm not alone in the world. Um, I, and, you know, maybe we go through things differently. But, you know, I can think about the, the youth that I go back and talk to, even just like at Brian a few weeks ago. You know, there's this young man I talked to who, like, lost a parent. Uh, other parent isn't really able to provide at the same level. You can tell that he was not, uh, I mean, it, we, I was there at 7.45 a.m. He was not prepared for the day with the cleanest clothes. And, you know, the teachers have reached out and said, he really identifies you because you look like him. He looks like you. And, 
you know, for me, that was so big. And so I said, you know, please allow him to reach out. Not a problem at all. And uh, we've had great conversations since then. So uh, definitely understand that it's okay to ask for help. Absolutely. And I think to normalize, and you and I have talked about this before too, but normalizing um, counseling, therapy, you know, that that is something that yeah, everyone should should have access to and, and take advantage of if possible because um, everyone is going through something. Yeah. Um, and it's important to talk, to talk it out, to talk out your feelings. Um, and I think that young people... Um, you're an excellent example of that because it is, it is hard for men, especially, you know, to be vulnerable. It is. And then you think about, you know, we kind of have these, these stigmas, this pressure, you know, in our neighborhoods, you know, anywhere I grew up, if you had cried, you yeah. were a punk. Um, if you showed emotions when someone teased you in the lunchroom, you were a punk or, you know, dissed on and talked about, I couldn't imagine adding social media. Thank God we were just writing notes. Um, but you know, the, the stigma I really care about now, especially as a father, is making sure that what I've had to go through, I'm really trying to help my kids not have to go through it. They're going to have their own story. Um, but I also think that as being a man of color, as a BIPOC, like I think that's really important that there's such a stigma as even in a cultural diversity perspective, you know, you're, you're a weak man if you need to even just go to the physical doctor, let alone a mental doctor or a psychiatrist. So I'm so glad what you bring attention to this. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and thank you for being willing to share your journey as well. Um, so what is, you know, one piece of advice that if you could go back in time, you wish someone would have given you when you were younger? Don't marry her. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, is this an edge? Is this, no. Um, uh, no, you know what? It, it, there was a time I was absolutely tongue-in-cheek all the time about my ex-wife, but you know what, we got a, a beautiful child. Um, I, I don't regret anything. I just really, we just ended up being two very different adults. Yep. And I think we need to be aware of that as we're used is that we think about these relationships that, that we build and have are really everything, um, that it's really needs to stay with it. I'll be honest, you know, 39, I'm just now really understanding what love is for me, for me to receive love, let alone give it. Um, could have probably done learn it a little sooner, but this uh, public has been taking my attention. Um, but no, really to that, the biggest advice I would say, you know, especially with my experiences, you get so caught up in being a fixer. Yeah. I'm having to pay bills. I'm having to go get a job. I'm having to work on school. I'm having to level up my life. I'm having to take care of my house and my mother. Um, you know, it's okay to work on you. It is okay to say, I need to be first. You know, we, majority of people have flown, and the first thing they tell you is, put on your mask first, then you can save someone else's life. And that was something that it took a long time for me to learn because I felt selfish. I felt greedy. Mm-hmm. And the reality was, if had I done a couple of things, maybe my life would have been a little bit easier. But I was just such a giver. I was such a fixer. And uh, I learned those terms uh, going through therapy, but uh, which was indicative of even dating world. Um, I had to, had to always have kind of a, not really a conflict, but maybe something I could, it wouldn't be the same unless I was there uh, type deal. So it, for me, the biggest piece of advice I would go back to me and in the, in the youth listening, it's okay to put yourself first. I think that's so important. And self-love, I think, is becoming more normalized in our society, but it's still... Um, you know, 
plagued with, with, as you said, the stereotype of being selfish or of feeling guilty. And it's such an integral part of not just your personal life, but also you need to take care of yourself in your work for your work environment and all of those things. And I think companies and organizations are catching on to that too, but um, self-care is, is so very important and so, so prevalent to everything that we do. Yeah. So for me, I mean, to your point, I have a routine. I come home and my day is inundated, you know, the two businesses, the campaign, the kids, the community, and then, you know, which all I love, I continue to do it, but I need like a good 15 minutes where I change from like the work and I want to get comfortable. It's normally like some Under Armour basketball shorts and like a tank and just relaxing with the kids. But I need, like, I disconnect. There's no phone. Maybe I'll go on Instagram, look at funny videos, things like that. So there's there, even a self-care thing that's really small that just gives you your peace and space. I think that's really important, too. I had to add that in daily. Absolutely. And mindfulness is a nice practice that kids can incorporate, too. Um, and Absolutely. hopefully teachers are, are incorporating that in their classrooms more and more. Um, excellent. Um, so since this podcast is dedicated to education, is there one, and I think you touched on a couple before, but is there one like favorite teacher that you had growing up that just significantly impacted your life since it is teacher appreciation week too? It is teacher appreciation week. (laughs) Thank you for all the teachers. I actually put a, a post out on my social media about, you know, the math and science teachers that I loved. Uh, I, I didn't put English in there cause I was always, I was, I still don't get MPA. I just <laughs> asked me to write you a bill about lowering your taxes. Um, favorite teacher, man. I just think about all the different environments that I've had and I would have to say the number one teacher that stands out is his name is uh, Chris Nizzi. He actually is a former Dean at Creighton prep and it was actually one of the first professional took me under his wing had a degree he was also in charge so I kind of listened to him I don't even know what demerits were when I went to Creighton Prep Um, I earned a few but Chris Nizzi would pull me in his office and it wasn't just like a reprimand it was truly coaching and then it you know it turned into hey Michael you know a lot of things that happened in my ninth grade year um you know, emancipation, death of family members, just, it was a pivotal year in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And there was a time where there were so many calls of me being pulled to the office, the kids would start teasing me like, oh, you're in trouble again. And it was all those things. And he really held my hand and just just gave me grace to, you know, kind of live through that moment. Uh, I think when my great grandmother passed, who I was supporting at that time, uh, sorry, it's kind of a hard thing, but he actually like gave me a hug and you know, it's not even something my brother was really good at. And ever since then I've stayed up with him and his wife, Dawn. Um, even when I won the Martin Luther King award from Creighton university, I asked him to be a guest and we didn't have a whole bunch of connection in between, but there's just so much of a love and respect I have for him and how he just held me because I probably would have just crushed ashes that year. Um, so Chris Nizzi, if you're listening, uh, shout out Blue Jays. Appreciate you. Awesome. No, that is awesome because I think a lot of times, especially in this day and age, teachers don't feel, sometimes you don't feel an immediate impact, you know, or they don't feel like they're making, you know, an immediate difference. And it's, they might not see it until later, but they are, you know. That one was it. The the other really crazy one was Mrs. Griffith in Ohio. 
Um, she was this tiny little sassy lady who taught American history. And it was actually a class where the only fight I ever got into school, not really fight, but I got sent to the office. <laughs> this guy's picking on me. All right. So you can hear my voice. You, you see it. Yeah. And I was a falsetto tenor, mm-hmm. like in choir. And then just this kid was picking on me. I even played football with this horrible voice. And I said, hey, man, that's enough. <laughs> and she, like, took a step back. She's like, do it again. <laughs> and she was just so funny because, I mean, she couldn't. I mean, I, I know you're not super tall. That's okay to say that. But, yep. <laughs> I mean, she couldn't have been five foot yep. with heels. Yep. Uh, it was just so funny. She reminded me like, one of those sassy ladies I could show you watch growing up. But, um Mrs. Griffith, she was really awesome in Springfield, Ohio. So Awesome. You had yeah. like two excellent, and I'm sure several others, but those are two really touching and excellent examples of yeah. how teachers touch children's lives. Absolutely. Um, so you have, I mean, some crazy, amazing goals for 2022, but um, do you have any that you'd like to share? Anything on the horizon? Any big things on the horizon? Yeah, I would like to officially on uh, November 8th be Senator Young. Yes. Uh, that's number one. Um, I actually, number two, just started yesterday, excuse me, two days ago. I started my master's. Congratulations. Thank you. So, Lifelong learner. Yep. Uh, always invest in yourself uh, with the University of East London. So I'm excited for that. I love the world and culture. But honestly, uh, down the road, I would envision myself in D.C. and being a great senator for this state. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to speak that into existence. Speak it. I'm a firm <laughs> believer in affirmation, so that's absolutely what you need to do. Right. Um, so where can our viewers follow you on your journey, um, be it social media, website, et cetera? They're going to want to keep up and keep updated on everything that you're doing, and where can they do that? Yeah, so from the technology business, it's at Technology Omaha is the best for everything across the board. For the art gallery, uh, it's at Rooted Synergy Gallery. Um, For the campaign, it's at Young uh, 4NE, and uh, that's F-O-R. And I tell you, just, you know, take a look, join the momentum. This is such a grassroots effort. Um, For me, I just, I love what I get to do. You know, my mentality used to be, oh my, what do I have to do today? And now I get to do these things. And uh, just thank you for having me today. This was great. Absolutely. No. And thank you for being on here, Michael. And I just want to say, um, you know, it's a difficult time um, in, in our country to put yourself out there and for run and to run on issues that you believe in. Um, there's a lot of scrutiny that comes um, in politics. And oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, you are honestly an example of, of how to handle that with respect and grace. And thank you for everything you're doing in our community, but also um, specifically how you're assisting at-risk youth and, and working to uplift them to be all that they can be. So um, your story is excellent, and we're so very fortunate that you could be on the program. Oh, thank you, Jackie. I'm definitely trying, and I think that's something that our world has lost. It's always you're either with me or you're against me. And we need to get back to a place where we don't have to agree, but we can have respectful discourse. And uh, a lot of times that starts with uh, maybe a a DACA or something like that, or DECA, excuse me, in the classroom, you know, build up those strengths. Because so much of this COVID has really, a lot of those personal soft skills have been missing for a few years. So thanks again for this. And I can't wait to hear about the next podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you for being here today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember, if you're a young person that's out there, um, we need your love. We need your light. Thank you to um, our excellent sponsors at the Nebraska Suicide uh, Prevention Foundation. As Cindy Hornig, we are so grateful for what you do for our state and our community. And we will catch you next time on Education with an Edge. If you have a question or just want to learn more, go to jaquellelane.com. Thanks for listening to Education with an Edge. A Huda Media Production.